This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast with the message, Before I Die, by Lead Pastor Eric Parks. So here's a question. Why can't going to the gym, you know, like to work out, why couldn't it be more like going to a donut shop? Let me, let me explain. So this last year, we had gone on vacation. Uh, this was last summer. Um, and we had gone down to a place in Florida. And there's a donut shop that was within walking distance of the place that we stayed. A- and I went to this donut shop, which had these like, brilliant, handmade, homemade donuts on the first day. And I am not joking you. Every single day, for two straight weeks, I got up at the same time, got on my bike, rode over to the donut shop, and got a couple of donuts. Do you know, not one of those days, did anybody actually even say, hey, Eric, you gonna go get some donuts? Chrissy didn't have to remind me. I didn't have to set an alarm. There was nothing that was difficult about it. I literally popped up, first thing, like, get on the bike, go get donuts. And I was thinking, why couldn't like going to the gym be more like this? Now, there's some of you that are like, you talk about working out and you'll use the word like addictive. Oh, it's so addictive. It's, it's not addictive. You're not telling the truth. Going to the donut shop, that's addictive. Going to working out, it's hard. And I was thinking about life and sometimes... If we're honest with ourselves, life can feel like the gym. Uh, At least sometimes it does for me. Hard and tough and challenging, and there are moments in my life when I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to try so hard just to get on with this. And yet, like for all of us, we all want our lives to amount to something, to count. Like, like every single one of you, you want like passion and purpose. And, and so often, we're reminded in moments that, yeah, it is going to take work. Like, we want to do more than just be here. So I was thinking about a story, because I think there's a story in scripture about a guy who maybe looks a lot like us. His story is found in Luke chapter 19, and the guy's name is Zacchaeus. Now, I think this story is a snapshot of what happens when someone decides, I really want to live. Like, before I die, before I'm done on planet Earth, I'm I'm, I'm done pretending, I'm done existing, I'm done. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to live. So if you have your Bibles, here's what I want you to do. Um, go grab them and I want you to flip to Luke chapter 19. I wanna read this passage to you because it sets up the story of Zacchaeus and I think it will help us understand a little bit about who this guy is. Like, like he's a guy like you and I in so many ways. Verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy, right? Um, and, And this is really an important part. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. 
So we ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, a couple of things I wanna highlight. First, the Bible points out that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, if you've been around the church any length, you've heard us oftentimes in sermons talk about the, how tax collectors were despised, but, but let me sort of help you understand the depth of this um, disposition towards tax collectors because Rome had a method of collecting taxes which was unique. It's not like the way that we do it these days, right? There were these local tax collectors. And these were people who had lived and grown up in those communities. They didn't send outsiders in to collect taxes. Rather, they would find people who were embedded in the community, who knew everybody that, uh, that lived in the community. They grew up there, right? So Zacchaeus was a kid that went to the local synagogue. He was a kid that grew up in that neighborhood. And being so, he was someone that knew everybody. He knew where they kept their money, if they had money. And this is why when the Bible talks about tax collectors and how despised they were, it was because, like, you have to think, th this was a kid that they knew. This, this guy now that was extorting money out of them, every penny for Rome, he wasn't some Roman person that was sent in to do a job. He was one of them, right? And so... The reality was on, for tax collectors that they were widely regarded as thieves, not just because you knew them, but because they got to keep everything they were able to extort out above what Rome required. So you're getting robbed by a kid that may have stayed the night in your house with one of your children. This is why people hated tax collectors. Jesus says this in Matthew 18, 17. If he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or what? A tax collector. So this is Zacchaeus, right? And when we meet him in Luke chapter 19, you have to remember that because he was hated and despised, if there were a group of locals anywhere congregating, it's the last place as a tax collector you go, right? You, you just don't. See, the reason why this story tells us he was a tax collector because it's highlighting the reality that something was going on in Zacchaeus' life, right? This kid who was hated by his community so desperately wanted something that he was willing to go someplace that nobody would want him. See, he doesn't just show up at local parties. People don't want him around. It, it, it's sort of like, think about this. Him showing up where all of the community is gathering is like going to Wrigley with a Cardinals jersey on. You just don't do it. Like, nobody wants you in that space. If you have a Cardinals jersey on, look, I grew up in St. Louis. There's just some things you don't do. That's one of them. This is the same for Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus wanted something. So he's on this mission. He, he wanted what Jesus was selling. He wanted when Jesus said, I came so that you, Zacchaeus, could have real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. We don't really know what Zacchaeus' life is like, but I've sat with plenty of people who've achieved things 
And I think Zacchaeus is someone who achieved something. And yet, after getting to the top of his career and making money and being wealthy, it's almost like you can see it in the story. He woke up that day and he wondered to himself what oftentimes we wonder to ourselves when we look at our lives. He's like, is this it? Is all this big pile of stuff what my life's going to be about? What about like purpose and passion and meaning and joy? It, it's almost you can see it in Zacchaeus. He wakes up that day and he decides, I want to live. You know, I think so often we're like Zacchaeus. We get into our careers and we work and we become preoccupied with the work that's in front of us, right? Preoccupied. And this being preoccupied keeps us focused so often on all the wrong things. I mean, think about it. When I was in grade school, I was absolutely preoccupied with, preoccupied with playing baseball, right? That's all I thought about. I loved it. I was thinking about it all the time. So when I was in school, I was thinking about getting out to playing baseball. Then I get to high school. I got preoccupied about getting into college, right? That's all I was thinking about. I have to get into college. And then I got into college and I got preoccupied getting out of college. And then I got out of college and I got preoccupied with finding a girl. And then I found a girl and I got preoccupied with buying a ring. And then I got preoccupied with getting married. And then I got preoccupied with having a career and then having children. And isn't it true? Like we go from one preoccupied moment to the next. And too often we look at our lives and we realize like we've been so focused on all these things, like what comes next that we never really live. But every now and again, something happens in our lives that break this cycle of just preoccupied, being stuck in what we're stuck in, when we get a glimpse of like who we really could be that life we really dream of. Like, I don't know, you say something inspirational in some sort of meeting or you do something to someone who's in need, you help them or you're patient with a three-year-old or you stand up to someone who is awful. You freely make a sacrificial gift and there are these moments like when we break our preoccupation and we see like, maybe who we really are, what God really wants. And the truth is for me is I'm just as preoccupied with life as anybody. And look, I'm 40-something, and I'm not a spring chicken, and I'm not getting any younger. And I'm realizing like, if I'm ever going to live, I can't just be stuck in the thing that I do, preoccupied. See, this is Zacchaeus. It's almost like he woke up one day and he said, I cannot wait any longer. I can't be preoccupied with all of this stuff that honestly isn't equating to any sort of 
sense of purpose or passion. It was like something snapped. And he's like, I'm not gonna wait anymore. And he gets to the crowd and he sees he can't see over the crowd because he knows he's gotta get to this guy, Jesus. And he's like, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait. So he looks over and there's a tree. So he's like, I'll climb up the tree, right? You know, like you have these moments where you just so awakened, you're not gonna let anything get in, in, in front of you or in the way of what you know has to happen in your life to live. And Zacchaeus, he scurries up a tree, which is crazy undignified. Now think about it. He's run ahead. Verse 4, he climbs a sycamore tree since Jesus was coming his way. And I've imagined this moment because I think like this is one of those moments where Okay, he climbs this tree, he has this undignified moment, and, and then Jesus sees him. Now, his whole community is there. And, and you can almost see Jesus look up in a tree, and he sees this dude up in a tree, which, you know, it's just not normal. I mean, any more normal than for you today to just go out and climb a tree in your front yard. Probably isn't going to happen. Jesus walks up, and he sees Zacchaeus, and you can see him like, hey. Zacchaeus is like, hey, Jesus. And like the whole community looks, and they see this guy they hate up in a tree, so it's like, what in the world? What an idiot. Jesus is like, what are you you doing up there? Zacchaeus is like, I don't know. I just... I'm trying to figure out life. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. And this is key. Because I must stay at your house today. And this is what Jesus does. He didn't have to ask him. He knew. He knew that Zacchaeus wanted something. Like, he really wanted to live, not be stuck in what he was. And it's interesting because what Jesus says to him is so important. He doesn't give him sort of a three-point sermon on what Zacchaeus needs to do. He just says, hey, come from the tree. I'm going to come over to your house. I'm going to hang out. You know, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, do you know that the Apostle Paul only directly quotes Jesus three times in the entire New Testament? Now think about that. He quotes Jesus in Acts 20, in 1 Corinthians 11, and in 2 Corinthians 12, three times. Now that's kind of mind-blowing, that he only directly quotes Jesus three times. And and I got to thinking, why in the world is it that the Apostle Paul only directly quotes Jesus three times? And I wondered, I wonder if the reason why is because maybe what transformed Paul wasn't just Jesus' ethical precepts, right? Maybe it was something more than just Jesus' words. You know, maybe what gave Paul the courage to fulfill his mission, what transformed his life, what transforms lives even today, 
producing men and women who are filled with purpose and passion and willing to face Roman legions. Maybe what does this isn't just hearing something. See, I think so many of us, we become consumers of God's word. We we think like maybe if I show up and someone just teaches something to me, maybe then it'll all just happen, right? I'll hear the right thing. I'll learn the right deal. And the truth is, while this stuff is important, the reality is Colossians 1.26 says this, the mystery, this mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, it's now been disclosed to God's people. That's us. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Listen to what he says. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. See, if you woke up one day and you've decided, I want to live just like Zacchaeus, The mystery in a nutshell is that the pathway to purpose is Christ in you. You know the Apostle Paul, the one that only mentions, only directly quotes Jesus three times in all of his writings? Do you know that he 164 times uses the phrase in Christ or Christ being in us? And this has profound theological implications. Paul thought that there was something more important than just the moral teachings of Jesus. What he's highlighting is what you see in Zacchaeus' story, is that the key to living is being with Jesus, like all the time, that you and I have this great invitation to be with God all the time, and that this is the life that Jesus demonstrates and promised us that he can, just like Zacchaeus, come over to your house. See, you can see this in the story with Zacchaeus. Jesus says, listen, I, I wanna come over to your house. Now you gotta imagine, you gotta come back to the story, how shocking this would have felt for this guy, right? Nobody likes him in the community. He just climbed a tree, looks like a complete idiot. Jesus calls him out, everybody sees it. And he doesn't just give him a few things that Zacchaeus can sort of write down and take home. Rather, Jesus says, come from the tree, I'm going to your house. Now, if, if this happened to me, more importantly, if this was like something that happened to me and my wife, there would be just absolutely holy terror. My wife's so funny. Um, this happened just recently. And I don't know how you are with having house guests, people coming over into your space. I know with COVID, it's been really weird because it's like, man, I, I don't know if we've had house guests like we, we used to love to host. But we had gone on a trip overseas. It was a missions trip with our family. And we scheduled a small group gathering like the night. I, I do this sometimes. I'm so optimistic about time. The night that we, the day after we return. And so Chrissy had said, Eric, is there any way that we could get somebody to come over and just like straighten up our house? I'm like, yeah, sure, we could, we could do that. And she's like, I need help before the small group comes over. I'm like, sure, because she was exhausted. We got off this long plane ride. Do you know what happened 
eight hours before the person who was gonna come clean the house. You know what happened in our house? I caught my wife that morning cleaning the house. I was like, hey, Chrissy, why are you, I thought we were gonna have someone come do that. And she's like, oh no, I'm just, I'm just straightening up before the cleaner comes over. I went, it, isn't, isn't that what the cleaner does? She goes, oh no, no, I don't want her to think that we're dirty. I was like, the house is dirty. That's what they're coming to do. <laughs> I think sometimes when we think about life with Jesus, we think about it in the same way. I wonder if Zacchaeus thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll get in the tree. I'm a rotten person. I've done a bunch of rotten things. Jesus will say a few things. I'll take those, internalize them, and, and I'll get some stuff sort of right in my, my life on my own. I'll get some things cleaned up because the truth is I'm kind of dirty and filthy and I'm not really a solid guy or I'm not really a solid girl. I have lots of problems and done lots of bad things. I'll get some stuff sort of cleaned up and then maybe down the road, like I could connect with Jesus and then I'm not such a hot mess. See, this is what so many of us do. We think like it's our job to be our house cleaner. We go in and we clean it all up. That we get a few little lines from Jesus and that if we just do those few little lines from Jesus and I can get it all put together. But here's the reality. To live, we have to let Jesus do what Jesus does. Jesus is the house cleaner. See, he likes messes. He's really good at cleaning them up. Like he knows a thing or two about cleaning up messy lives. He was never intimidated by Zacchaeus and the fact that he was hated and messed up. The first thing he does is invite himself to his house. He didn't care what anybody else thought. And the truth for you and me is that Jesus wants the same for us. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds their lives will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, this is where we start. With Jesus. See, you got to come down from your tree. Some of you, man, you've been sitting up a tree, watching church for years, just peeking in, seeing if you could get a few little pieces of wisdom. And maybe if I just get enough little pieces of wisdom, that, that maybe I can sort of put those and arrange them into some sort of really great order. And then maybe I'll find this life that Jesus wants and what Jesus is saying doesn't work that way. If your life's a mess, if it's not going the way that you thought it would, if you feel lost, if you've just been sort of a voyeur of Christianity, Jesus is saying, hey, come on down. Come on down. I know. It's okay. See, our role, your role, is not to learn some precepts of Jesus. Your role is to learn how to live with Jesus, right? 
how, how to live with him. Because this in Christ's life, this is where life is found. Like the life you've always dreamt of. It doesn't mean it's always easy living life with Jesus. It doesn't mean there aren't problems, not at all. It's just that you get to walk with Jesus in all of it. And when my circumstances aren't good, I can live in freedom and I can find joy and peace and I can be filled with purpose and passion and meaning in the rough times, in the good times. Like him and I, we get to be together and this is what's so cool. Listen, Jesus today is inviting himself into your house. If you're interested, he wants you to live with him. He wants you to be in Christ. Jesus said this, he's, he once said that, with God all things are possible. And the great thing about life with God, like really letting him come over to your house and living with Jesus, this, this life, it's available to you. And, and this step, it's available to you now. Like, you can come out of the tree. You don't have to wait to have it all put together. Zacchaeus didn't. You don't either. Because John 3.16 makes it clear that he loves you. He's made a way for you. Romans 5.8 says that if we just confess with our sins, like, <sighs> I don't have it figured out. I'm broken sinful that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and then to walk with us. And isn't this what we really want? Life with Jesus. It is the great promise that we can live before we die. Let's pray. God, for my friends, I pray that you will help us step out of the obscurity of a tree and go from someone who's curious about Jesus to letting him come over, be in our house with us, guide us, walk with us, live with us. This is the great invitation, a with God life. So give many of my friends courage to take a step, to invite you into their house, to dwell with them, to go with them, and to show them life and life to the full. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to part one of the Before I Die series with Eric Parks, lead pastor at Heartland Community Church. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford, or you can watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.